The book of 1 Peter this morning will be in 1 Peter chapter number 5. 1 Peter chapter number 5. And we look forward to what the Lord has for us this morning from His Word. And certainly always enjoy uh, the singing of the hymns and the other music. And uh, certainly look forward to what God has for us this morning in the remainder of our time. I'm going to bring a message from 1 Peter chapter number 5, and I want to be a very practical help. Of course, uh, this time of year we start to think about uh, Thanksgiving, and when I say Thanksgiving, we think of turkey and dressing and pie. But uh, hopefully along the way we are uh, take the time to be a little bit extra thankful uh, for the child of God. Thanksgiving ought to be every day in the sense that we're grateful every day. Uh, for the many blessings of God. Uh, but as I was spending some time yesterday, I was making some visits uh, to some of our members who are shut in at this point and, and, and recovering from certain things and, and spending some time in prayer for our members yes, uh, yesterday. I was just thinking and reflecting uh, on the fact that there are so many uh, who are so burdened. There are so many who have, and I'll use this word, we'll look at it in Scripture this morning, afflictions and uh, things that they have to deal with. And we certainly are aware uh, that as long as we live in this world, in this sinful, broken world, and we have this flesh that, that we live in, that we're always going to be afflicted. We're always going to face things in our life uh, that we have to deal with, whether it be health, uh, whether it be the circumstances that are dictated to us in life. And I certainly want to give us something from the Word of God today that'll help us. The Word of God has the answer for everything that we face. Now, we don't always like the answer, but the Word of God has the answer. Uh, this, our, our country, the private problem in our country could be taken care of just like that if we would follow the Word of God. Uh, the, the things in this world that are there in turmoil, they would be fixed if we would just, would just follow what the Bible has to say. And certainly, uh, when it comes to uh, the difficulties of life, the Bible is no exclusion. It certainly has to help. First Peter chapter number 5, and I'm going to begin reading in verse number 6, and we'll read down through verse number 10. <clears throat> Beginning with verse number 6, the Bible says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon Him, for He careth for you. Now, it's not my message this morning, but you ought to underline that phrase in your Bible, for He careth for you. Well, Pastor, nobody loves me. Nobody cares for me. That's not true. God. You know, there's some people in our life we want to care about us, but there's nobody more important and more significant than the Almighty God, and He cares for us. You may have come in the service today burdened and, and heartbroken. And maybe the, the holidays aren't a great time for you because you're reminded of some things uh, that you don't want to be reminded of. Or maybe there's some who are gone that uh, have been a part of your life. I want you to know that God cares about you. He careth for you. Verse number 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. This morning, I want to speak on the subject of the purpose of afflictions. The purpose of afflictions. Before I pray, I want to remind all of us 
we've already read this morning, God cares for us. The scripture tells us that God thinks about us. What a thought. What a, what a, what a, what a reality that God cares about each and every one of us. Sometimes the question is asked, well, if God cares for us, why does he allow, and we just insert the, the latest strategy or a tragedy, we insert what is going on in our life, we, ins we insert the afflictions. But this morning, I'm going to use the word of God to help us and to show us the purpose of afflictions. Father, I pray this morning that you would use your word. I pray the word of God would be real to us. And Father, I pray that your people will be helped today. And Father, I pray that there's one here unsaved that never put their faith and trust in Christ. May today be their day of salvation. May they realize uh, their need of a Savior. May they realize the fact that uh, no man can save himself, no man can reconcile himself to you, but it must be through the Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, I pray that you would uh, heal the hurting today, you would strengthen the weak, and uh, Father, may all of us be reminded of these important truths today. Maybe we're not dealing with affliction today, but the time will come when uh, we'll deal with something that we do not understand. We'll deal with uh, something that we can't find the reasoning for. And Father, may we be reminded of the purpose uh, found in afflictions. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. The book of 1 Peter is a wonderful book of the Bible, and it's very, very helpful and deals with many, many subjects. As we come to the end of First, the book of 1 Peter, and before you get into the, the book of 2 Peter, there's so much that is going to be found in chapter number 5, as Peter comes to the conclusion of this first epistle, this first letter. As we begin where we, where we start where we begin reading, we find very quickly that in verse number 6, when we're told to humble yourselves, we find that God expects us to humble themselves. I think a lot would be taken care of in our own nation, but certainly in this world, if man would place himself where man belongs, man is not on equal footing with God. A man has placed himself and he, that he can look at, a God, look at God and look at God's word and say, I want to disregard that and I am going to establish what I think is right. And man has placed himself in a place that he does not belong. Uh, we are not on the same plane as God. But to apply this this morning in the life of a Christian, and by the way, you can't trust Christ, you can't be saved, you can't have forgiveness of your sins until you first humble yourself and realize that you can't save yourself. You can't get to God. How, how, how prideful of man to think that in spite of our sins and in spite of our failures, that we have a right to access a holy and perfect God. We have no right to enter His presence. But it's through the Lord Jesus Christ that we can enter into His presence. We must humble ourselves to receive salvation. But as a Christian, God expects us to humble ourselves. This morning, no matter how talented you may be, how intellectual you may be, how much wealth you may have or talent you may have, you need God. You need Him. And we must humble ourselves. And the Scripture is very clear that He expects us to humble ourselves, but notice what the scripture says in verse number six, under the mighty hand of God. Well, that reminds me and should remind all of us this morning that God himself is going to insert himself into our lives to humble us. In this morning, it is not, he does not do that to hurt us because if we study the word of God, we are shown over and over again that it is man's pride that leads him to his own destruction. 
God will not send anyone to hell when that eternal judgment takes place. Man's pride will send himself to hell. God will not reject anyone, but man will be re reject God because of his pride. And there's a lot of Christians today, quite frankly, that could be helped if they would just humble themselves and let God help them. And if we, and let's be honest this morning, we know that we're supposed to humble ourselves in the sight of God, don't we? But do we? Not like we should. All of us, that's true of each and every one of us. So what does God do? God, with His hand, as the Scripture reminds us, under His mighty hand, we're to humble ourselves when He begins to do a work in our life. He will place things in our life to help humble us. How? We must submit to His hand. We find in verse number 9, as well, the end of verse number 9, this is important for us to be reminded of, knowing that the same afflictions... I point this out by way of introductions this morning to remind all of us that you are not alone. You're not the first person that's ever had the problem you have. You won't be the last either. You're not the first people who deal with afflictions and we look at things that take place in our nation today, whether it's, it's changes that are taking place in our government, it's changes that take place in our nation and different things in this world. We're, not the, you know, you know, we're, we're afflicted. We're, afraid. we're not the first ones. We won't be the last. That's the nature of governments. Whatever you deal with in your life, well, I don't understand why I have this, this sickness, this, this disease, or this setback. You're not the first one who's ever had a health setback. Well, I've been betrayed by somebody that I love, and I've been disappointed by somebody that I depended on. You're not the first one. You won't be the last. And while we endure inflictions, the Scripture reminds us, and I read it very briefly, this, quickly this morning, that we have an adversary that wants to destroy us. We have an adversary, the devil, who wants to defeat us. He's seeking whom he may devour. And yes, we can preach this morning on all the enticements of this world that man ought to stay away from. All the enticements of this world that, that certainly Christians should not partake in. And I know it's 2021, but this Bible still teaches that there are things that a child of God should not partake in. And yes, we know the destruction of many of the vices of this world, but I believe you cannot separate from context from the warning that we have as we speak about the humbling of God under His hand, the afflictions that man has, and the devil many times uses the burdens, the heartaches, the difficulties for a man to look at God and instead of humbling himself under what God is doing, rise up in pride may not physically shake their face at God and say, how dare you, but in their minds say, I don't understand, God, why you would allow this. Or because you allowed this into my life, I judge it as not being fair. So until you rectify it, I'm done with you. As difficult as that may be to, to play out in our mind, I'm afraid it plays out too many times in the minds of a child of God. When God will allow things that come into our life to humble us, not because He's trying to hurt us, but He has a very real purpose that I'm going to get to this morning. But it's important before we see the purpose of afflictions for us to be reminded of verse number 10, but the God of all grace. We use that word grace, even those who were 
not even real religious. We'll, talk, we'll use the word grace and the word grace of God. Let me remind you that all grace is from God. Grace exists because of God. We as a child of God are to show grace to one another as the household of faith. We're to show grace to a lost world. A child of God shows grace because we have, used, we have received grace and therefore we can have an understanding of it. But it reminds you that it comes from God. When does it come from God? Yes, certainly we are saved by the grace of God. Ephesians 2, chapter 2, speaks specifically of that. It is the grace of God. There is no man who deserves forgiveness. There's no man who deserves for, for God to wipe away their sin and, and replace their debt with that of the Lord Jesus Christ from the pulpit to the back row. There's nobody that deserves that. But it's the grace of God. It's the unmerited favor. But beyond that, even as a child of God, God extends His grace when? When we're enduring afflictions. When we deal with afflictions. I remind you that there is a purpose behind the afflictions. There is a purpose and God uses things that come in our life to humble us. In verse number 10, we, we see the grace of God. He extends it, quite frankly, just simply put, He extends it when we need it. We, he extends His grace when we need it. He doesn't extend His grace to us, as we would say, when we're strong. He extends His grace to us when we're weak. He, he doesn't, the grace we're talking about and the the strength, it doesn't mean we get it when we don't need it. It's exactly when we need it. That's when God extends His grace to us. Who hath called us, verse 10, unto His eternal glory by Christ Jesus. Well, He's reminding us of our salvation through that grace. That eternal glory. Think with me just for a moment as Peter writes to, to those Christians of that day, and certainly God has preserved it for us to learn from today as, as His church. He's reminding them in the midst of being humbled by God, in the, in the midst of the fact that there's an adversary that is seeking whom He may devour, in the midst of the fact that He speaks of afflictions and He's speaking of the grace of God, He reminds them of the eternal glory. And then if we, if we continue reading, he tells, we find out why. After that, ye have suffered a while. And this is the last thing I want to remind us as way of introduction this morning. Suffering is temporary. You just have to endure for a little while. Think of me just for a moment, child of God. This is as bad as it's ever going to be. So, well, they can take our life away. This is as bad as it's ever going to be. For the child of God. Now on the other side of that coin, this is as good as it's ever going to be for the one who does not know Christ. And if you do not know Christ today, you can look at this world, this is as good as it's ever going to be. So could it possibly get worse? Oh, I, I, give me some time this morning I, and I would, I would tell you how much worse it is going to get. This is as good as it's ever going to be, but thankfully through the Lord Jesus Christ, if we're saved today, this is as bad as it's ever going to be. And no matter how long we have to endure afflictions, it's temporary. 
It's temporary. You ever dealt with something in your life, facing a thing in your life? You say, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. Or you say, well, I've got to endure this for this period of time. I don't know how I'm going to do it. Well, you do it one day at a time. You do it one step at a time. And before you know it, you get through the first day, the second day, the third day, the fourth day, and the grace of God becomes a very real thing. And that affliction is a temporary thing. You say, Pastor, I got you on this one. I know, I know, I know what you're saying, but I've been told that, and I understand I'm going to have to deal with this for the rest of my life. That ain't as long as you think it is. And I look around the auditorium this morning, and most of you I've known for a long time, well, I still look as good as I've always looked. Some of you are aging a little bit. The point I'm making is this morning, it doesn't matter what we have to endure, it is temporary. The words Peter wrote were eternal glory. Eternal glory. When a child of God leaves this side of eternity and enters into the other side of eternity, into the presence of their Savior, we have those glorified bodies. Our bodies are the same as the Lord Jesus Christ. It's eternal glory. There is no affliction. There is no heartache. There is no burden on the other side. So, Pastor, that's wonderful for us to be reminded of. And I'm thankful that as a child of God, I'll never have to answer for my sin. As a child of God, putting my faith and trust in Christ, I'm thankful that one day when I get to heaven, I'll have a glorified body that knows no pain, no suffering, no heartache. But what do I do until I get there? Paul writes about that, and that's where I want to spend the remainder of our time this morning and see as the Scripture reveals the purpose of afflictions. I've said all of this by way of introduction, the fact that God wants to humble us because man has a tendency to rise up in pride and present himself to God as man does not have a right to. And sometimes God has to humble us. We have an adversary who wants to defeat us. We have these common afflictions and, and, and the same afflictions and, and we have to deal with the things in this life, but we're reminded of the grace of God. It's His grace through grace that we're saved, but also that grace is extended to us to endure the things that we have to endure in this lifetime. But the day's coming, friend, for those of us who are saved, who have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, there's eternal glory. But until then, I want us to see why God would allow us to have afflictions. Does God not love us? Absolutely, He does. The ultimate proof of that is the fact that He sent His Son to die for every man. Not just those who would accept Him, but even those who would reject Him, He still died for them. He still paid their sin debt. He still shed His blood. We have that assurance this morning. God wants us to understand some things, and maybe this will be a help to you. It helps me this morning. I want you to notice at the end of verse 10, he says that after you have suffered a while, make you. There's something that God wants to make you. See, sometimes we as Christians, we're not as concerned about what God wants us to become as God is about what we want, He wants us to become. He wants to do a work in our life. He wants, us, he wants to make us into something better than we are right now. 
He wants to make us, not just a better version of us, but a version of us that's closer to Christ. So in order to make us, there's a, there's a couple of different ways that God goes about it. And certainly, God blesses His people, does He not? And all of us could testify this morning that God has been better to us than we really deserve. If we're honest, if we get right down to it and we're not embarrassed by it and, and we, were, we were made to be honest, we could all say, we'd all have to say, God has been better to me than, than to deserve. I mean, I'll prove it right now. How many of you live in the United States of America? Let me see your hand. There's a lot of people who don't. You say, well, we have all these problems. I still am not leaving. I like it here. That's a blessing. It's a blessing of God. Jesus died on the cross and paid for our sins. And as a child, I, I heard that for the first time. I, I heard about how I could be saved, and I accepted that payment. God's been good to me. But God will also use things in our life to make us something. Now, what does God want to make us? It's right there in the Bible. Make you, first of all, perfect. Now, this, this isn't perfect like some people think they're perfect. This is perfect, meaning complete, meaning whole. Uh, what is God saying? We have a tendency to stay in our comfort zones, don't we? We have a tendency to not extend beyond our, inse beyond our insecurities. There's many who could become more for God... But their lack of belief that they can will keep them from becoming more for God. There are some who need to, and truth of the matter is, if we're going to grow in our Christian life, we've got to get out of our comfort zones. We've got to shake up our schedules a little bit and say, okay, if I'm going to become the child of God that I need to be, the Christian that I need to be, I'm going to have to reprioritize some things and I'm going to have to put God first and I'm going to have to pray a little bit more because it's hard to say that we really have a relationship with God that we want to have if we're not praying like we ought to pray. But let's be honest. A lot of times we don't do that on our own. We don't have the discipline, the character we need to say, for me to be perfect, complete as a child of God, I'm going to make all of these changes. I'm going to overcome all of my insecurities. I'm going to extend beyond my comfort zone. So what does God do? God allows adversity to come into our life to make us uncomfortable. You know what happens when we're uncomfortable? We remember to pray. We start looking for God. We start searching for His promises. And when that happens, you know what takes place in our life? Change begins to take place in our life. We look at things like, I'll use athletics this morning. We look at things like athletics and sports, and we say, that is a that, 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 that player there, he's good at this and this. But every once in a while you say, that player, that, that athlete, well, no matter what sport, he's, he's, he's the complete package. He is the perfect, meaning complete. He can do it all. He's not a liability on this side or on this side. And friend, that's what God wants of each and every one of us. He wants us to grow in every area of our life so that we become more like His Son. So he uses that affliction, that adversity, 
to make us perfect. Notice what else it says, make you establish. This is an interesting word that is not used often today, but it would, it would, it would bring the same definition of, of establish. It's where we get the word established from. But it's what God wants to make us. And what that word means is to fix firmly. To become immovable. Think about that. He wants us to be fixed firmly in our life. There are so many things as a child of God that we know to be true, but are they really firm in our life? Are they immovable? Let me relate it like this. When adversity comes, there are theories and they're proven to be true. Let me explain what I mean by that. I don't mean that what we read in our Bible is a theory. It is truth. Truth is measured by the Word of God. We don't measure the Word of God by truth. But let's be honest, if it has ever been proven in your life, you believe by faith that it's true. But then when God allows something to come into your life, adversity, hardship, heartache, these little statements or taglines that we like to make or post on social media that God is faithful, well, I believe that. When you find yourself at your lowest moments, you know it. Or, or, or God, God will never forsake you. God never turns his back on you. I believe that this morning. But when man turns his back on you, you know it to be true. We say, well, God answers prayer, and I believe that. But friend, when that affliction comes and that turmoil comes and those disappointments come and that great need comes in your life, then we are put to the task and we must understand that God wants to establish us Un unmovable. There are some things in my life to God, by God's grace and to God be the glory, you cannot move me on. Say, oh, I can. Oh, you can't move me. Why? Because I've seen it tested. I've dealt with the adversity. He's, he's spoken to me in ways that, that you can only understand if you've been in those valleys, you've been in those ways, and I know them to be true because He's brought me through the other side. He has established me, and there are some things in my life that I'm un, unmovable, and you cannot move me. Circumstances cannot move me. Why? Because God established me. That's why as a child of God, when you have adversity coming in your life, don't run. Don't flee. Don't give up. Because if you'll allow Him to humble you, if you allow Him to work those things in your life, He will establish you. You'll be immovable. There's some things that took place when we were much younger, and I'll use it as an illustration. Our daughter, as many of you know, our daughter Amanda, who was sick, and the Lord took her home to be with Him. 
When you're 26 years of age and you go through that and you don't understand all the reasons, and I still don't understand all the reasons that He would allow those things to take place, but it's through those dark times that God teaches you some things and He humbles you and He shows you some things. And friend, now that is 47, almost 48 years of age, I can stand and say there's some things you cannot move me on, not because of my ability, not because of my, my talent, but because it was through adversity God established some things in my life. He established me to the point where I'm immovable. And sometimes we run... We quit, we give up because we face some adversity. We look at God and say, God, why did you allow this? We may not understand it. We don't have to like it. That book never tells us to like adversity. It never tells us to like hardship. We're told to endure hardness. We're not told to like it. But if we endure it, God will establish it. Third thing I see this morning that reason that we have afflictions, we see perfect, make you perfect, establish, strengthen. It gives you the strength to endure. You don't have to raise your hand, but I don't know if there's anybody in here who has ever run a marathon. Don't raise your hand because then everybody will know you're crazy. Only say, Pastor, you don't like to run? No, the only reason I like to run is if Somebody's chasing me or I got to chase somebody. That's the, only, that's the only reason I see for, for running. But if you're going to, I would dare say, if somehow I, I, I decided to, to wait, if this ever happens, y'all just take me and get me checked out. I said, you know, I think I want to run a marathon. You know, and I know we do have some runners among us and say, who are they? They're the, 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 the crazy looking ones. You'll figure them out. I ever wake up and say, you know, I'm going to run a marathon. And, you know, we'll use today as an illustration. Today's Sunday. You say, when are you going to run a marathon? I think there's one Saturday. I'm going to run it Saturday. You know, and if you haven't figured out the problem with that yet, you don't need to be running one with me. You, you, you don't go from not running to running a marathon in a week. I don't care how, how much of a legend you were 30 years ago. You don't do that. What do you have to do? You have to train so that you can get some strength. And that you can continue to get stronger and stronger and stronger. There's only one way to do it. It's just to say, I'm going to start preparing so that I can run that marathon. So if I had the desire to run a marathon, I'd have to start training and I'd have to start running the shorter distances and to work my way up to, to where I could run all those miles. And so if I want to do that in, in 2047, when I finally got my strength up to be able to do that, I'd be too old to do that. The point I'm making this morning is that if we are going to be and become what God wants us to become then we have to allow circumstances that come into our life to strengthen us. We, we all do use prayer as an illustration. Every Christian, if you're honest, you get down to it, no matter how little you've been around the things of God, it just, it's, it's, it's ingrained in us. Christians should pray. We should pray more than thank you for this food. 
We should. We know it. But we don't always do it, so sometimes God has to help us out and say, let me put something in your life that's going to force you to pray. But now that he's done that, I'm praying. And my spiritual strength is being built. Now I have a burden thrust on me that I didn't ask for. I don't want it. But God is not angry at me. God is not a cruel God. He places a burden on us because it builds our strength to carry that burden. It builds our endurance as a child of God to carry that burden. And God allows adversity to come and this ought to change the, the mindset of many Christians today. Why is God so, so, so angry? Why is God so... Though if, if, when I was growing up, if I was getting a spanking, I didn't have to ask, are you spanking me? Are you disciplining me? I knew. And it's true in the life of a child of God. If we are contrary to God and God is dealing with us in that manner, we know it. And oftentimes we get confused because we deal with circumstances in this life and we say, I, I don't know why I'm going through this. God might just be making you stronger. And the stronger we are, the more endurance we have for him. I hope it's true of every Christian in here. I want to endure until Jesus calls me home. If we're going to endure, we have to be strengthened. God allows things to come into our life to strengthen us. Then number four, and this is the last one I want you to see. This is one that ought to help you as well. He says, to make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. He wants to settle us. What, 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 is, what does the scripture mean here? It likens to fixing you, what it means is fixing you on a firm foundation. The idea here is a house that is fixed so firm on its foundation that winds or waves can't move it. Think about that. We've all seen, we live in Florida. We, we've seen results of storms and hurricanes and that's where the house was and now it's just a foundation. The foundation is there, but the structure is not. But the idea of God settling you is to fix you so firm to that foundation that the winds of life can't separate you. And the strength of that structure is the strength of the foundation. You can build the prettiest house you want, but if it has no foundation, it's going to crumble. The, 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 the winds, the waves of life come and struggles and trials and it does not separate us from the foundation. He, he settles us in. And friend, when you walk through the valley and you bear the burdens and you endure the afflictions and you discover that God is not going to leave you, He's not going to turn His back on you. He does strengthen you and give you grace that you didn't know was even available. But you look back and you say, I don't know how I got through that except but the grace of God. He settles you on the foundation that is himself. 
and he settles you and fixes you so firm that the winds and waves can't move you. You think of the Apostle Peter. This is a letter that he wrote. You study the life of Peter, quite an interesting man, quite an interesting character in Scripture. A man who certainly knew highs as far as serving God goes and knew some lows. Certainly knew the favor of the Son of God, but certainly was at the end of rebuke from the Son of God. But he was a man who had endured, just as the other apostles did, endured persecution, endured trials, endured the burdens of life that God allowed them to go through. But when it was all said and done, Peter was firmly established to the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe, and I, I don't know, I hope this helps us this morning, but I believe there are many Christians who turn aside. And quite frankly, it's because they have not allowed God to establish them in a way that He can only establish them through adversity. Let me conclude with this. We find, you say, Pastor, that's, that's encouraging. I hope you find it encouraging this morning that the reason why we endure some suffering is to make us perfect or complete as a child of God, to establish us, strengthen us, to settle us. That is, all, we're all, that, is all, that, that is only possible if we go back to that word grace. But the God of all grace, first of all, it's the grace of our salvation. This morning on this, as we begin this first day of this week, of this week of Thanksgiving week, as we list the things to be thankful for, may at the top of that list always be our salvation. And friend, this morning, if you're not for certain that you're saved, that is the first thing that you need to get taken care of, is your salvation. What are you depending on for your forgiveness of sins? What are you depending on for salvation for an eternity in heaven? Because it's true that all of us are an eternal soul and we're going to spend eternity in one of two places. What are we depending on with something that is as critical as our entire eternity? And the righteous judge himself is the one that's going to determine. There's no religious panel. No group of buddies is going to decide who gets into heaven and who gets cast into hell. It's Jesus Christ himself. And it's the fact that he made a way possible for you and I. We must understand that we have our salvation settled. It is through grace. And as a child of God, is through grace that He helps us endure. Much of the Christian life is just that, friend. It's enduring. So when I, when I got saved, I thought life was going to be perfect. Well, that, was, that thought was eliminated pretty quickly, probably. No, this Bible never tells us that life is going to be perfect. Life is going to be easy. Matter of fact, the Bible reminds us that life is hard. That's why we must have established that we are a child of God. And then 
Why is it that God allows me to go through afflictions? Well, I thought God was a good God. Oh, He's not just a good God. He's a great God. Well, then why does God allow... I can't explain why God does everything that He does. And as I conclude the message this morning with what I started with, speaking of some of the members that I know that are dealing with different afflictions. As I was thinking of them yesterday and praying for them yesterday and speaking with many of them yesterday, you know, I couldn't help but think to myself, Lord, I wouldn't, I wouldn't allow them, I wouldn't put that on them. These, these are some of the best people on this planet. Now, I'll set your minds at ease. I wasn't thinking about some of you saying, now, Lord, if it was me, I'd have put it on them. I wasn't thinking that. But I was thinking, Lord, I certainly wouldn't. But God knows what each of us need in our life. God has a purpose that He wants to do. Many times He has to use that word affliction to do it. What are we to do? Allow Him to humble us. Allow Him to do His work in us. He wants to complete us. He wants to establish us. There's some things He'll establish in your life and you'll never waver from, but it's going to take affliction to do it. He wants to strengthen us. See, how do I get strength from an affliction? Oh, He'll strengthen you through that. He wants to settle us. God takes you through, and God brings you through. And day after day, He's there with you. Oh, it'll get you settled in. And the ways of this life, the wind of this life, won't blow your structure, your life away, because you're firmly attached, you're settled in to the foundation of the Lord Jesus Christ. This morning, let's allow this to strengthen us, to help us. Friend, if you're here this morning, you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, Get that settled today. Put your faith and trust in Him today. Child of God, whatever it is that, that the Lord is speaking to you this morning, maybe you've been saved, but you've never been scripturally baptized. Maybe there's another decision that you personally need to make for the Lord. I, I trust that you'll make it today. As we go to our time of invitation. I trust that if God has spoken up, maybe you'll take some time. Maybe you're dealing with an affliction. Maybe you're carrying a burden that nobody else knows about. Would you take some moments, some time this morning to talk to the Lord about it? Maybe something this message has helped you. Talk to the Lord about it this morning. Allow Him to establish you. Allow Him to strengthen you. But friend, let's not run. Let's not puff up with pride. God, why have you allowed these things? God knows what we need in our life. That's why He humbles us under His hand. Friend, let's not, not, not let the devil get an advantage of us because of an affliction that we have. Let's allow the Lord to work in our hearts and our life. Father, I pray that...